Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Doing all right, Alex. Good evening. It's uh, good to be chatting at such a uh, positive time of the year and a, a sterling occasion on the back of uh, of two very important victories. Absolutely. I mean, look, it's a little bit unexpected in some ways as a city supporter to actually have the results going our way. Um, I know we're sort of talking in our group chat. Uh, making sort of comparisons to that 12-13 season with Bruce and um, just the fact that, you know, we, we only needed the one win towards the end of that season to go up, but um, results just wouldn't fall our way. But, look, they certainly fell our way um, over the Easter period, I guess, uh, starting with that crew result. Um, look, was looking for all money to be the third 1-1 draw in a row and then Wilkes pulls something special out with his with his non-preferred, if he doesn't mind, to uh, to get us the 2-1 win. What did you make of that game? Yeah, exactly that. It was a, a huge moment from Wilkes. And I think that although you can probably make a lot of comments about that game, it was it was a real uh, footballing contest, uh, you know, without to throw out too many cliches. Like it really did just have that feel that uh, both teams almost cancelled each other out. Um, yeah. A tough side to beat crew. And the way they set up against us, um, you know, they, they really threatened us and, and made us, uh, you know, uncomfortable at large periods of that game. And as you said, they really didn't feel at any stage in that uh, the back end of that second half that there was going to be a late winner. And so when it happened, um, obviously it was pleasantly uh, surprising for for the city faithful, but all the more important because of the results that were uh, you know that happened simultaneously. But uh, Malik Wilkes, what a strike! And uh, guess for himself having a rather quiet game, uh, it was just a huge moment that you know speaks into the caliber of player he is and just understanding how much of a threat. Uh, he really is and how important he is to our promotion or perhaps title hopes. Yeah, look, I mean, that was my sense with Wilkes as well. It seemed it seemed like an almost game for him. For a lot of the game, he you know, he'd get the ball at feet. He'd do really well with his control or build up or, or passing the ball off to teammates, but wasn't really getting many looks at goal himself. Um, so the fact that he was able to pop up and with those sorts of players, it just takes that moment and, you know, you just get that half chance and he, and he finds the back of the net. Um you know, look, even at even at nil nil, you sort of talk about the teams cancelling themselves out uh, or each other out. Um, it, it felt like nil nil or a one nil felt like a fair result. Obviously, you know, each side got a penalty to to get to get us to that one one scoreline. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, maybe we talk about those penalty incidents now. I mean, we we had a few shouts for penalties uh, mm-hmm. turned down, and um, in a lot of ways, I was surprised that we got the penalty when we did because it does feel and and I. I from memory, there's a few t- times in that Northampton game as well. It does feel as if for City, uh, it takes a whole lot to um, to get the referee to award a penalty. Absolutely. They seem very hard to come by. And I, d- I do remember two critical shouts um, off the top of my head in the in the crew game that were almost almost stone-cold penalties. I know that it's it's hard to kind of, you know, speak when you, you watch the games through such uh, biased City lenses. But trying to be objective here. Um, you know, you've, you've seen them given against this uh, a lot and, um, you know, just it doesn't always feel like that uh, in League One. Maybe that does have something to do with the the fact that we are kind of the the big fish in the pond, if, if that's a, a mm. fair statement. And perhaps, you know, match officials know that, um, you know, almost every manager that uh, is on the receiving end of a defeat to us seem to come out and make comments about them. Oh, City got lucky or they, you know, maybe they're not that good, except for obviously... Uh, 
the Northampton manager said some incredibly positive things um, after we we dusted them. But yeah, it, it just it does have that feeling, doesn't it? That there's an element yeah. of uh, you know uh, a bias against us, or uh, perhaps we're not the most welcome team in the in the division. So yeah, yeah, and it's weird as well, particularly with Wilkes. I've noticed it quite a lot with Wilkes, where. It's odd because he, it's not like he has a reputation for being a diver. Like oh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's gone down easily, like most other players. But it's not as if he has any sort of standout moments that I can think of. But the the number of penalties or fouls on him or half fouls on him that get waved off just seems really surprising. It sort of reminds me of you know Sterling in the Premier League and a few a few of those other guys who they sort of get an unwarranted reputation. I mean, maybe in fairness, in Sterling's case, it's maybe a bit more warranted, but. Players sort of get that reputation, but it's just a weird one with Wilkes because I can't think of any any reason why he so often gets ignored by the referees. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Wilfred Zahar is another player I think yeah. that fits that that category that you do see teams, you know, willingly seem to hack them and and get away with it. And maybe that does speak into the fact that he does go down a lot. But you know, I think they make a point of it. And as you mentioned with with Malik Wilkes, he is such a dangerous uh, attacker when he particularly when he runs at the at defenders and when he gets into the box it's almost as if the ball kind of sticks to his feet and you see all these defenders almost you know fixated on, on him and multiple uh, bodies surround him um and there's always seems to be some you know point of contact where one of the defenders dives in and, and he does go down and i think you know uh, because there is multiple bodies that's the only thing that i can think of that may be one of those reasons that the, the referees are a bit more yeah. reserved hesitant to blow the whistle but yeah absolutely i think that um malik wilkes does have that in his game and uh you know it'd be nice to see a few of them uh go away and i guess the law of averages speaks into that maybe we've got a couple of important malik wilkes penalties in the next couple of weeks well i was gonna say uh, malik wilkes or or josh emmanuel uh, not josh emmanuel josh mcgenis um who who just you know he's so confident with his penalties um scoring that equalizer for us against crew just absolutely lathered it into the back of the net um, you know, you, you love a penalty taker with that sort of confidence. Absolutely. And I, I guess that, you know, as you mentioned with, with Magenis, he sees a, a totally different threat as well. Like someone who's such a physical presence, if you think of him in, in contrast with the type of player that Malik Wilkes is, where he's got more of a, you know, fast feet and tends to, to really take the ball at defenders, there's a lot to worry about if you're a defender versus the City lineup. And you know, that's that's an exciting thing for us to to, to understand and, and know that we have that in our in our arsenal. Absolutely. Well, before we go on to that Northampton game, I'll give my um, MVP votes for this game. And a player that we haven't talked about, though, who I think played a really important role in um, getting us to win was Ingram. I think he made some terrific saves in the game for me. So he got the three votes from me for this one. Um, and then can't go past the match winner in Wilkes for the two votes uh, for, for me. And um, Slater, again, another one I haven't, haven't mentioned yet, but I think growing in confidence with every start that he gets. And I'll probably talk about him a bit more in the Northampton game, but um, he's been looking terrific in midfield for us as well. So so he'd get the one vote for me. Yeah, I, it's hard to argue. I think I had Ingram down in my my three. I didn't give him the three points. I gave him two, but I thought a, a man that um, was kind of glossed over then was was Louis Coyle. His, his form lately has been outstanding. And I guess an argument for Callum Elder as well. He's, uh, he's been playing, you know, out of his skin. Those fullbacks have really come into their own. Um, you know, it's almost like a weekly discussion point with Dr. Emmanuel sitting on the bench. Um, and Honeyman seems to be a staple whenever we talk three, two, ones anyway. So I think that th- those guys were, were who I'd kind of, um, you know, recognised. But as you mentioned, I thought Magenis just getting the the way that he slotted that penalty. And I think that was the turning point in the game that, 
um, you know, that got us back into it, arguably before the the Wilkes moment of brilliance. But uh, between between any of those fours, I, I I wouldn't be able to split the three two ones. So if you if you've gone for Ingram for your two, who who would you give your three to? Would you say yeah. Wilkes probably? Yeah, I, I I gave one point to Wilkes, even though I think that it was the the, the clinical moment. And, and Louis Coyle was my three. I, I think he's just been oh, outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, no, good shout, good shout on Coyle. I think, look, it's so easy in these sorts of wins to, to throw a blanket over a number of players who could all be well-deserving of votes. Um, and look, certainly that was the case in this Northampton game, winning 3-0. Um, yeah. Coming into this one, I think, you know, there's a, there's a bit of nerves for me uh, just in the sense of, you know, Northampton aside fighting for survival and um, our two big rivals in Peterborough and Sunderland playing at the same time. And look, you know, um, we'll talk about their results as a collective in a second, but... Um, it's the sort of game where you look at it and go, well, great, one of them's going to be dropping points for sure. But you can also look at the perspective that one of them's picking up points for sure as well. So if we were to, to lose to Northampton, it's um, certainly a dangerous position to be in. So um, that that goal from Elder really settled those nerves and it was um, you know, a fantastic strike for him to get his first City goal uh, on the 30-minute mark. Um, and then, you know, KLP getting his goal as well just before halftime making it three players for us on double figures for the season for the first time since 2003-04, which was fantastic as well, and, and white rounding it out just before the end of the game. So um, uh, pretty comfortable game all in all. I don't know if they really had any shots in danger in this one. So um, a really sort of it was a comfortable but professional performance and and really shows that City have that mentality that they're looking to, to sew up promotion and, and potentially the title as well. Absolutely. I think one of the the key elements for me as well is even thinking back to just the, the last couple of weeks, I know that we've had, um, you know, some, some critical games and, and snuck some draws, but I think that the uh, the period of rest that we've been able to have, having kind of had those games ahead and, and really got time to, to freshen the legs and, and make some critical subs in games as well, I really thought that that was probably one of the, um, the, I guess, the hidden traits of this game that really stood out. I thought that having two games in, in really close proximity, um, you know, with, with the Northampton game, um, knowing that, you know, the, the legs might have been tight, I think it was really obvious that we had fresh legs in in the squad because we just hadn't been playing, you know, so many games in, in such a condensed or concentrated mm. period. I think that might have might have spoke a lot into the the way that we played because I mean you commented in our chat very early on in the game I think it was about four or five minutes in I think you said we look locked in here and yeah and that's yeah. What it felt for the entire game it really was uh, uh, it, it was almost a strange feeling to to watch City play for ninety minutes and never really feel uh, in any threat of losing the match and I mean I kind of picked that up even in the in the commentary um, there was a, a, almost a sense of arrogance but there there wasn't too many you know moments that kind of scared us or you thought oh if, if they concede here the the momentum will shift they just mm-hmm. seem to be this real uh professional um and, and i guess uh, focused or concentrated performance from city and across the board we just we, we were too good and you know it's uh, we don't often say that but it was certainly the case on on uh on the weekend oh next monday next monday yeah i mean look i, I and i did say we, we looked locked in and i think you you comment on the fact that doherty in particular was terrific with his run in midfield and um and again you know elder Elder with the goal and with the assist for, for White right at the end there. Um, but look, you know, as you say, with the fresh legs, um, you know, you, you make note of the fact that it was around the 70-minute mark or so. We we did a triple substitution. We essentially subbed off our front three with a completely fresh front three who on another day could have been our starting front three. And I think that's sort of the – we're short, sort of showing our strength in depth in this division that, that not many other sides are able to do. So um, it, it gives us that great 
um, great depth and ability to, to rotate and keep the squad fresh. Um, I guess the big concern as well is the um, the injuries potentially to, to Honeyman and um, Greaves, who both went off late in the game with um, with Knox. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot more on it, so I'm hoping it's uh, it's not too serious for Honeyman. Um, though, of course, as we sort of said, and we, we've said before, um, you and me, um, it, you know, Crawley was brought into the team, or Crowley was brought into the to, into the to the team to to basically be that backup option for Honeyman. Um, it's not the end of the world. I mean, obviously, Honeyman's a fantastic player. He's, he's, you know, one of our brightest players this season. But it's not panic stations if he is out for, for two or three games um, since we do have these sorts of players who can step into the breach. Well, without a doubt. And I think you've, I was just about to comment on, on Regan Slater's form as well. What yeah. a performance he had in, in, the, in the last two games as well. Like, uh, you know, he was a, a relatively unknown signing or, or one that we didn't expect to bring in. Uh, I knew that there was comments about us getting a Premier League player in, but to to see the the impact that he had, he's he's been the you know large largely absent this season, and for him to come in at this point in time, um, almost as a surprise to us as well, and to have the impact on the games that he's been having, I thought he was outstanding against Northampton as well. Uh, looks someone who's inspired and, and full of running. Uh, the yeah. the, the the post-match conference with Grant McCann, he didn't seem to be too worried about uh, George Honeyman or Alfie Jones. So, uh, okay. Oh, Greg, sorry. Um, and so, you know, knowing at least that's the initial reaction, that sounds incredibly positive. So mm-hmm. uh, if there's any silver lining, well, well that would be it. And uh, we do hope that those two players are uh, fit and, and ready for the trip to Plymouth. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I mean, Slater's, uh, Slater's an interesting one because he, he sort of reminds me, his progression at City sort of reminds me of Honeyman as well, where, where last season Honeyman was sort of seen as very ineffective but had a lot of effort. He ran around a lot, so he he was sort of, you know, full of energy and, and, and full of motivation and, and, and trying to make an impact but just couldn't do it. And Slater at the start of the season, I felt sort of similar about that he came in and he, he did try and he did run around a lot and he did look... Uh, promising but he just wasn't seeming to have an impact on matches and these last few starts that he's had he's certainly starting to have an impact and whether it's just that he's finding his feet at this level got that confidence because he's getting the regular starts um i think it's all helping him and and he's really been impressive the last few games um and he's another one where you sort of think yes okay we've had smallwood go out for the season we've had jones go back into defense um to make up for burke going out all of a sudden we've we've sort of unearthed this option in slater who who's a very comfortable starter for us. And um, look, it's going to be really interesting. I find it really interesting because there was an interview with him recently talking about the situation at Chef United. And it must be a really weird one for him being on loan at uh, a League One club from a Premier League club, knowing almost certainly that they'll be in the same division next season. So whether that means that there's an opportunity for him at Chef United, whether that means that means that we buy him or take him on loan again, I'm not sure. Um, but it's a, it must be a very interesting sort of prospect for him this summer on what 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 his future is going to look like. Yeah, absolutely, not a not a common situation. Yeah. And, uh, certainly an intriguing prospect. I mean, even you just mentioning that now, I uh, would be very intrigued to see what comes of it. But uh, you know, I, I guess that raises a big question as well: is is he someone on the radar that we would be looking to sign? Has he has he done enough in this short space of time? Uh, you know, to warrant a a championship contract. There's, uh, you know, there's so many unknowns, and yeah. I think that's an exciting, exciting prospect of what happens over the next, you know, five six games. Just seeing, you know, what what does end up uh, resting in City's fate, and then where the club goes from there. There's some really big decisions to be made. Yeah, look, absolutely. I think you know, a month ago you would have said that he, he he's sort of nowhere near it for us, but I think certainly the last couple of games have um, have raised a case for for a potential potential transfer in the summer, but. 
look, I think there's, you know, five or six games left to go before we, we focus too much on that. Um, uh, well, how about just quickly, did you want to give your 3-2-1 votes for this game before we move on? And, and then I'll give mine. Yeah, I think the, the really obvious three points here is Callum Elder. I think that that goal was was brilliant. And then the, the assist at the end for, for Gavin White, uh, he's just, he has been really impressive lately, uh, Callum Elder. And it's, uh, you know, it's great for us as Australians to be supporting City and seeing, yeah. you know, one of our own, um, you know, doing such a, such a fine job. So... Uh, he was my standout uh, three points. I gave Doherty two points. I thought I thought he was fantastic as well. And then um, uh, one point to Louis Coyle. It's again, I thought he was brilliant. It's it was one of those performances where you could have given it to a lot of people. But the thing that I loved so much about City's play was just the ability to dribble at, at defenders. Like they, Hampton yeah. obviously gave us the space with our fullbacks to get forward, which which we know is a is a worrying prospect, but. Just to see the the evolution of this city squad from earlier on in the season, where you know the blueprint was if you you shut our fullbacks down, that's it. Uh, we we can't really play. Uh, to see the confidence that our front three are playing with, and and to have those bodies coming, uh, you know, starting from deep and, and really just making uh, defenses struggle and have to work to to contain us. It's, it's great to see. And and look, you know, now he's keeping Emmanuel out of the side, who for a large portion of that early season was sort of in the conversation for player of the season. So uh, it's mm. no main feat from, from Coyle, and he, he's also putting together a fantastic season. Um, yeah, look, I, I can't argue with your um, your three on Elder. I've gone Elder as well for my three votes. Um, I've gone for, for, for KLP as my two just because I, I think that his, his, his attacking play of, of the front three seemed to be the most promising and, and the most cohesive for us. So um, I thought he put in a really dominant display and, and obviously got his goal as well, which was fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, I've gone Doherty for the one because I think, agreeing with you, I think he had a, a really terrific game in the midfield and um, sort of set the tone from the, from the start of the game, which was great. Mm. Um, okay, well, let's have a quick chat then about uh, our rivals because obviously the uh, Peterborough Sunderland game was on at the same time. And you did allude to while we were talking about the Crew Alexandra game, um, both. Well, so Peterborough, I believe, were uh, no, sorry, Sunderland were behind to Oxford early in that game and then came back to win 3 1 with two late goals. Uh, and Peterborough also uh, managed to get ahead in their game quite late on as well. So, timing wise, of us getting the winner against Crew, really important considering those two also pulled ahead at almost the same time. Um, you know, so interesting moments at halftime in the Sunderland game with, I think, an assistant coach for Sunderland perhaps being in an altercation with an Oxford player. So who knows if something comes from that. Uh, and then, of course, as, as I sort of said before, so Peterborough playing Sunderland at the same time we were playing Northampton and drawing 1-1. So, you know, apart from obviously them both losing on the weekend to Oxford and um, and uh, uh, Fleetwood, um, I think they're about as, as good results as we could hope for. Um, both of them, well, you know, dropping points against each other uh, yesterday morning uh, bodes well for us. I think we're now three points clear of, Peterborough with the game in hand with two uh, two games, uh, well, sorry, Sunderland are, are two games in hand on us, but five points behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could probably, you could look as far back as as Blackpool with um, three games in hand on us who are really sort of coming home hard, but I suspect it's sort of a three-horse race for the uh, automatic spots. Yeah, it would take something special from Blackpool to, um, to get back into the conversation. I guess that the exciting thing for us is that if Blackpool do get into the conversation, it probably means that they've been Sunderland yeah. twice. So they're going to be taking points off each other, which is, you know, exactly what happened in the Sunderland-Peterborough uh, fixture. And because we've got the luxury of, you know, of not really having to play those teams except for the, obviously, the, the massive fixture with Sunderland, if, if Blackpool would have beat Sunderland once and, and we would have, you know, take points from uh, 
uh, uh, sorry, if we were to beat Sunderland and Blackpool were to beat them once, that's probably the six yeah, points that's that you know that having already got a five-point lead that, you know, that would, would make up that deficit and make it incredibly hard for, for Sunderland to catch us. And then for Blackpool to overtake us would almost be unheard of. So, look, I think that, uh, again, speaking of run-ins, that, that Blackpool fixture, they would be the team that you would not want to have to cross. And the fact that Sunderland have got them twice is, is fantastic. Yeah. Definitely, no. And I think I saw Rick posted on Twitter saying that um, essentially, look, at the end of the day, if we win our six games, we're up because um, it means that we're beating Sunderland. It means that we've got that that gap over them. Um, yeah. And, and of course, yeah, look, I think if they drop even a single game to Blackpool or, or to somebody else, then then it's done. So it, it is getting to that point of the season. It is getting quite, you know, six games left. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And, and also, Alex, let's not forget that you've got to throw in teams like Lincoln, Charlton, Doncaster, who feature heavily in in all of the uh, the run-ins for 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 not just us, but also for our rival teams. And you know, those those are clubs that are going to be incredibly difficult to beat as well. So uh, that uh, it is really intriguing because you remember that they will now have a fight to make the playoffs, which is yeah. uh, an, another one of the storylines that is is happening uh, while we you know focus on. Promotion, firstly, but also the you know the the chance of, of being title winners. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, I think I think um, the titles in our hands. Essentially, I think is well, I think the, the 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 drop points in Peterborough certainly mean that the titles essentially in our hands because we we've got that game against Sunderland to come. Uh, and look, it's gonna be really exciting in a couple of weeks when we play Lincoln. I I think. That's, you know, even optimistically speaking, I think that's sort of the earliest that we could potentially mathematically make it certainly to go up. Uh, and for everyone based in Sydney, we are looking to to get a good showing out at Cheers that night for that game as it'll be on at midnight. So uh, looking forward to that one uh, and hopefully results going our way to make that a, a certainty. Um, well, let's let's round things off by looking at the Plymouth game to come. Um, not a, Probably not a whole lot to say about this one that we don't usually say um, as far as, you know, it'll be... A tricky game. They've got two wins in their last five and did lose to Shrewsbury yesterday morning, so not in fantastic form. Um, I, I didn't. We haven't played them since it was like back in October. We played them, and it was Adelican who got the winner in that one with um, a tenth minute goal. Um, so, so it's been a, a fair while between games against them. Um, you know, much like the Northampton game, I'm sort of viewing this as very much um, should be a win, and it's just about putting in a professional performance and, and getting the win in that one. Um, no midweek game for us, obviously played the Monday um, and then no game the following midweek either. So we've still got that little bit of a, a break between games to, to get the players right and um, right right and rested in the case of someone like a Honeyman perhaps who uh, may, may well get rested for this game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the most concerning thing about Plymouth is there's a lot of uh, discussion and talk about their home form and the fact that we do have that, that long trip away is, is probably the most crucial factor in this one. The concern is that, you know, whilst it looks like they're not really in a precarious position for relegation or challenging for the playoffs, you know, the, the argument can be made that, you know, they don't have all that much to play for. But, uh, you know, that would be hurting after that 3-0 loss to Shrewsbury, which, uh, you know, he's, yeah. it, it's probably come at the wrong time for us in the sense that, you know, they'll be very eager to get back into the winner's circle and, and right the wrongs from, from that performance. So it's going to be a really uh, testing trip, but... You know, if, if City go there and, and play with the same level of confidence that we saw against Northampton, then I, I do struggle to see how a team, you know, that far down the, the table will be able to compete with us even on their home home patch. And, 
you know, and, and, and so it should be. If, if we're, you know, are going to be title contenders, then we need to make sure that, that these trips away are, um, you know, are fixtures where we are taking all three points. And I guess, yeah, look, so I guess the biggest talking points about our lineup probably come in the form of whether Reese Burke is fit, which I, th- I think, I, I suspect is probably a little bit too early for him, um, and whether Honeyman and Greaves um, drop out. I mean, I guess, look, if Greaves, if Greaves was to drop out, and, and you did say that um, McGann was a bit relaxed on that one, uh, it would be interesting because it opens the door for McLaughlin, and for all our talk of our depth, it does mean that we're sort of starting to get to the, um, the bare bones centre-back, but... Um, you know, in all likelihood, Greaves will be okay for that one. Uh, perhaps Honeyman gets rested just out of, uh, you know, precautionary. We've got the form of Slater and um, and Doherty in there. And, and as I said, we've got Crowley, we've got Flores, we've got a few others who can certainly drop into that midfield spot as well. So um, certainly have a few options. And, and you know, whilst you don't want to flirt with your form in a, in a re- reasonably important game such as this, um, you've got to have one eye, I suspect, on the uh, coming game with Sunderland as well as, as probably the more, uh, important fixture to, to have the players fit for. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I do think we, uh, well, like I said, we've just come off the period of, of having a, a pretty decent rest uh, despite having two games in quick succession. So I think that just given the, you know, the magnitude of League One and how, how thick and fast the games do come, I don't think that there'll be, you know, a huge desire for McCann to, to shake things up too much. I think he would understand the importance of, of three points at Plymouth. I think... It doesn't really matter where you get your points at the moment, just so long as they're, mm. they're ticking over. I mean, there's a great case to say that, you know, you want to win those six-pointers, and obviously we do. But in, in so many ways, if we can beat the the teams without, um, you know, that, that aren't even our rivals, then we're probably still going to find ourselves in, in definitely the, you know, top two positions. And that's a really comforting, uh, you know, position to be in. So... I don't, I don't expect or envisage uh, too much of a change with McCann's squad, except for, as you mentioned, if there's any, um, you know, forced changes through injury. But mm. there's, there's no one who's who's really sitting in the side at the moment who you think probably on form uh, should is warranted to kind of drop out. Everyone seems to be doing their job, um, you know, pretty well with the, you know, inclusion of, as we said, Slato seems to have forced his way into that starting lineup and, and made it his own. But I don't expect to see much change, and and that's a really good thing for us this late in the season. Absolutely, I think we're on three wins out of the five that at the time you predicted we'd need to go up. So we've got two more to come. Jeez, a bit of lightning around here. I don't know if it comes onto the onto the mic, but there you go. Um, so so that's I'll probably try and wrap things up in a second. Then, um, so what do you predict the scoreline for this one to be? Yeah, I think I think this one could be two 0 uh, to City. I, I really struggle to see how how Plymouth are going to, uh, you know, hurt us. I think that, that we've got momentum in. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's such a crucial game, and uh, it does seem like the the lads are really up for it. Interestingly, um, Callum Elder mentioned in his press conference that in his time at City, it's uh, the most you know together the dressing room's been, and um, you know that feel good factor uh, to me. The fact that he's making you know a statement like that in in his press conference really speaks into uh, not only the results that seem to be going our way. It's it's easy to be happy when you're winning, but it just uh, seems like they're really locked in on the on the task. And I just I can't see Plymouth giving us too many too many struggles, except for the fact that obviously it's that that challenge of travelling to their their place where they they do have quite good form. So yeah, as I said, two 0 City. I'm going to be positive on this one. I'll go with 2-0 City as well on that one. So, um, look, before my dogs uh, tear the door down, I might rush off there. And um, thank you for coming on, Logan. 
My pleasure, Alex. And uh, let's hope next time we're uh, chatting, we're preparing for that cheer celebration. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening in on this one. And until next time, come on. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back because you're